Welcome to the Fluent, powered by Sports Fluent. I'm Anthony Kay, and this week, I have a very special guest, Natasha Sokolovsky. How are you? She's from Dominion. Uh, the, she's a mortgage broker, excuse me, with Dominion Lending. And we're going to talk about mortgages and more. Natasha, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm excited because, <laughs> you know, being in Toronto and seeing the housing market and how crazy it has gotten any mortgage advice that you can give us is going to be very, very helpful. Um, and I know that, and I'm quoting you here. So mm -hmm. for those of you that know that I don't cuss, I'm going to say this. You essentially get shit done for I people do. helping them with their mortgages. So that's my, I think I get three of those in every episode. So there's one, okay. uh, you can have the other two. Okay. So, so Wait. first of all, how did you get into, we're going to start with that. How'd you get into being kind of a mortgage agent and specifically who do you work with? And then we'll get into kind of the really deep dive questions. All the like tips and tricks. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And we got to make people more fluent, right? So <laughs> got to make them more fluent all due time. So I'm new to the mortgage industry, which may surprise people, but I worked in the public sector and still do for the past 10 years. Currently I manage by law enforcement officers. And it's just, it was interesting time in my life where I wasn't happy. I used to work for children's services and I wasn't fully happy in the position that I was in. And so instead of letting my external circumstances really dictate my path, I just decided to pivot. And so I switched divisions, started working in bylaw. And I had someone come into my life who worked at Dominion Lending Center and basically recommended that I become a mortgage agent. And I was really surprised. Like I never thought to be a mortgage agent. And it was just funny because when I bought my first investment property, I remember going through the process with the mortgage agent and just thinking in my head, like, oh, you know, I would change this or I would streamline this. And it was percolating in my mind. And then this person just randomly came into my life, saw it as an opportunity. So I just studied, wrote the exam and then jumped in. Like I literally jumped in with both feet, just betting on myself and just entered in this like crazy world of mortgages. Talk, you talk about crazy. Um, <laughs> the housing market specifically in Canada, obviously Toronto, Vancouver being the two biggest of the bunch, housing prices have skyrocketed. Great for us who owned homes, but not so yeah. great if, if you're just trying to get into the market or heck, if you want to upgrade to something, heck, some people want to downgrade. It's going to cost yeah. them more to downgrade than it did to buy the home that they're in. So how did we get here? How did the housing market skyrocket so much um, in Toronto well, or in Canada? Let's go or whichever well, we'll one. We can go both. Canada. Yeah, we'll Canada. Yeah. I think we can all agree we're in an inflationary environment right now we feel it you know you go to the gas station you're pumping gas or you're going to the grocery store you're buying food like everything is so expensive right now that's just the reality of life right now and so really the government is caught between i would say a rock and a hard place and typically in their toolkit to reduce inflation is to increase interest rates but they haven't done that because it's just going to worsen the growth and the unemployment challenges that we have right now. And, you know, I don't know if you've seen articles, but right now our unemployment rate, we have about over 1 million jobs to fill. So there are excessive amount of unemployment challenges. And so we're in this world where interest rates have never been this low. 
And I'm talking even right now, I, I saw a variable interest rate at 0.85%. So I'll when you look it. at, <laughs> I know, no. but I don't want everyone to quote me. And I, <laughs> yeah. I know it, it, it fluctuates. Yes, we are. Yeah. I need this. I need this. But there are products that are extremely low right now, not to say that everyone would qualify for, but you look at these rates and you just think, oh my goodness, these lenders are basically giving money for free. That's really what it comes down to. And so when you see interest rates at rock bottom lows, what, what kind of environment does that cultivate? You have people obviously looking at their situation and they're going to leverage debt. They're not going to sure. want to hold cash. They're going to take on more mortgages. They're going to look at refinancing their properties and pulling out equity. And so we got ourselves into this I would say environment where a lot of people just started to jump right in into our housing sector and what happens it caused housing prices to skyrocket and they did skyrocket so let me ask you a question we're going to get to the interest rates i think in, in a couple of minutes but i want to specifically ask this because i was living um in the u.s uh right before i call it a depression everybody else called it a recession but let me tell you we were all very depressed um and so <laughs> when that there was that bubble that we you know i, I want to say it was whatever 07 08 09 kind of that time and the bubble burst and i mean there were houses um i remember i was living in arizona at the time and there were houses that were going for five six hundred thousand that were selling for thirty thousand wow like there was that bubble went like pop are we in that situation where we're in a housing bubble? Like, are, should we, are we in a housing bubble? Let's start, start there. There's probably more to that, but are we, do you feel that we're in a housing bubble? I totally feel like we're in a housing bubble and it, it interests me because I love using social media and putting polls out there. And I did put out a poll and asked people, do you think we're in a housing bubble? Yes or no. And by saying no, you're basically saying these housing prices are a new norm. And it really surprised me that majority of the people do not think we're in a housing bubble. And for someone like myself, like I'm looking at this situation and you really see a psychology at play. And I think this is something that's really a Canadian thing where people believe the only direction for housing prices in Canada is to just move up. They <laughs> never think that they're going to go down, which I find very interesting, but I don't blame them because I know for the past 15 years, the news always has all these articles. Oh, the real estate market is going to crash. Oh, this is what's going to happen. And then it never happens. Right. So because it never happens, people are always under the impression that real estate is a safe investment and my housing prices are just going to continue to go up. But I think to answer your question, yes, we're in a housing bubble. But the reason why I say we're in a bubble is you have to really look at how quickly houses have risen over the past couple of years. And I think we can all agree, you know, having these increases of like 20 to 30% each year, that's really unsustainable. We're not right. going to be seeing this long-term. Now, you know, how long this bubble is going to persist, I'm not sure. I think there's a couple of factors that we need to really look at. And one major one would be this new COVID variant. And it, it kind of has me nervous because you think if we have to go through another potential lockdown, what does that mean? 
Like, does that mean we're all going to need bigger houses because (laughs) we're going to need our own, everyone's going to really need their own space. If we have to do this again. (laughs) Oh, I hope not. But then you think, oh my goodness, are they going to create more government assistance programs? Are more people going to lose their jobs? Does that mean, you know, these interest rate hikes that the bank of Canada is telling us is going to essentially happen is not going to be happening next year. So we're just going to what? have this crazy inflationary environment with super low interest rates like i think you know this COVID variant makes me nervous um and i think it'll be interesting to see how it plays out but to think positively to say hey we're not going to enter in another lockdown and that the government will hopefully realize that's not a solution to dealing with the variant is that uh i just think the moment we start seeing interest rates go up then you're going to start to see the correction starting to happen. And I know. Can I the- pause you for a second there? Cause yeah. I, I want to go back. Cause I don't want to get away from the burst okay. because I've seen the housing market burst and what happens, uh, you know, like it was, it was really bad. Obviously people know if they think back to there. So I want to just ask you before we move on. Mm-hmm. So we're obviously, I agree with you that we're in a bubble. And I, th- I understand why people don't believe it because it's, it's kind of like the boy who cried wolf. We keep saying, yeah. okay, it's going to come. Oh, the burst is coming. And then it, oh, it doesn't. So eventually you just, it falls on deaf ears. So in your opinion, and I know you kind of said you don't know when, but if you had to make a prediction, mm-hmm. when will it burst? Well, I think it's going to burst next year. And if okay. I had to make a prediction, I'm going to say, and what I mean by burst, because I know you brought up the example in the US. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be complete you know, fall. I feel like the way that we lend in Canada is very different from the U S like the U S it's very easy to get a mortgage. Can I tell you, can I tell you my example? What happened? Tell me. Right. So right before that, so I moved down there, I want to say two or I moved there in Oh five. So it was before this was a thing, obviously. And so I have good credit in Canada, but I have no credit when I moved to the U S I get all my paperwork. Of course I'm there legitimately. And, and when I go to buy my house, they say, great, based on your kind of credit score in Canada and what you have, yeah. uh, your, your employment that you have secured here, et cetera, we're going to give you a hundred percent mortgage What? <laughs> interest only Stop. with an additional 20% on a variable arm so that you can buy other things that you need, be it furniture, a car, whatever you need. And I say, no, thank you. My, my, you know, my dad said, you got to put this much down and do this and this and this. And I'd rather go with that. And the interest rate still was still very low. So I got it mine the right way. I I, I call it right. (laughs) I had the money. I put it down. I did it the right way. Here's the problem. Talking to my neighbors, they took advantage of a hundred percent interest only at 2% or 2.5, whatever it was. It was really low. Mm -hmm. The problem when the, and then now fast forward a few years, yeah. Well, now it's 6% is the interest. The interest only portion was on a timer was 24 months. So the two years expires. Now you have yeah. to go from 2% interest only, right? To 6% principal plus interest. <laughs> so now your payments are 10 times higher, but here's the worst part. They all bought three or four houses on that same plan and made them investment properties. But so now they're paying $1,500 for three houses oh, wait, now I got to pay $15,000 for three houses. Forget it. And they just foreclose on all three. So oh. that's what I saw happen a lot there. So I so I know when, so I just want to give that example. So when people oh. say we lend differently, we don't do that here. 
<laughs> we, we, we don't do that. <laughs> I, that's a bad idea. That's, that's, yeah, clearly it was a bad idea. Yes. Oh, my goodness. No, I, and that's the beautiful part about Canada is that I know it sucks the way that we lend. It does not make it easy to get into the housing market. But when you think about, you know, even if we start to see prices go down and interest rates are eventually going to go up at the end of the day to get a mortgage in Canada, you still got to qualify it, qualify at 5.25%, right? Regardless if you're only having to pay an interest rate of like 2%. So I think there's just a lot of stability here, um, which is really great because it allows Canadians to just kind of plan ahead and not feel the pressures like what you just said. Yeah. Well, okay. So, so you're planning ahead, but you know, I've, I didn't even know this was a thing until obviously (laughs) our market skyrocketed. So I I think they're called monster mortgages. Correct me if I'm wrong, but the mortgage debt is growing, right? Obviously because the housing prices are growing. So more, there's, there's more debt. Yeah. So, you know, is there regulations coming? Is there things that are going to change in 2022 that are going to protect us from that? Because again, prices Mm -hmm. go up. Well, now you got a mortgage more. Now you're, you're kind of, that that mortgage debt, I think, is growing at a pretty fast rate. Maybe really, you probably know better than I do. Um, what's well, happening? I think to kind of rewind a bit, like right yeah. now, the real estate market is valued at six point one trillion. So that's that's pretty huge. That's three times the output of our economy. And when you start to like break it down by province, and I know you said uh, Vancouver, so obviously Ontario and BC are the driving forces. And really Ontario is the bulk of the value. Ontario is at about 2.8 trillion. So really Ontario is probably the most overpriced real estate in our country right now. And so you, if you look from like a lender's perspective, right? Most of the mortgages that lenders have, their portfolios are centered around Ontario and BC. And what I think is absolutely fascinating is that back in 2016, 47% of the type of mortgages that were um, basically out there were insured mortgages. So really that's like, no risk to the lenders because the insurers would take a hit. But now like this year, only 26% of mortgages are insured and the rest are just conventional uninsured mortgages, which I thought that that was really interesting because that means the lenders are putting themselves at risk. Yeah. are, Are in a lot more of a riskier situation. Should people default on their mortgage? Now, I know mortgage delinquencies are at a record low. And I think both of us can agree that it's not surprising, right? There no, if, if you got to pay for mortgage. something, yeah, that's that's what you figure out a way to pay is, is the house. I makes sense. Exactly. There's government yeah. support or you could have deferred your mortgage. So it's like, okay, right. of course we were at a record low. But as time goes on, what's going to happen. And that's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out. And I think depending on how that plays out, that's probably going to cause lenders to really look at how they lend and maybe do some regulation changes. Because another interesting thing that's happening right now is that Canadians have borrowed over 270 billion in their home equity uh, line of credit. So HELOCs, 
are just rising at a, a record pace at, um, I think it was in September, they're at 270.2 billion. So that went up about 1.7 billion from August. Billion, yes, with a B, billion, right? Billion, yeah, billion, B. B, B. So people are really hedging themselves and taking on a lot of debt. So I think lenders are definitely at risk. And, you know, I think we can all speculate what kind of regulations would come down the pipeline. And I think you, you see around the world what other countries are doing. And it would be interesting if Canada would adopt some of those measures. Like, I know- Can you, give us, of, can you give us an example or two? Yeah, what, like yeah. I'm thinking and like, I know like, like a, a country like New Zealand, for instance, you can't buy a secondary property using your HELOC. They're looking at exploring that, which I thought is pretty interesting. Because I would say the trend in Canada is people use their primary residence, refinance, pull the equity and put it into another property. We yeah. tend to do that here. Um, you could also just see when it comes to secondary properties, banks may require a larger down payment, right? Yeah. To offset their risk or who knows, maybe they'll increase the stress test. Maybe it'll be higher than 5.25, which is it, I is the stress not. test. I've heard this. I've heard this a lot. So correct. Is a, is our stress test not already kind of tough? I think so. That's what I thought. Okay. I just want to make sure that's what I heard. So I, that's why you're here is help me be, be more fluent. So, so it is, it is already tough and you think they could make it tougher. Hey, if they want to, right. Yeah, um, yeah. I think there's a possibility and I don't know if maybe if they'll do it like a tiered system, I'm not sure, but there's always ways of making it a bit more challenging. And I think, you know, increasing the stress test may be an option, but I find when it comes to the stress test, it's interesting because you only have a certain allotment of people that are able to qualify for a mortgages now. And so that's really opening up the doors for people to fill the, the gaps. And you're starting to see people utilize more, B lenders, private lenders. And so you just see this trend that we're really starting to move away from the big banks and you're starting to have people utilize mortgage agents more. I know my parents, they never used a mortgage agent. Like you get your mortgage where you bank. Yeah. You go to, you go to the bank and you go into that back office there and (laughs) all right. So so you mess you mentioned something a few times, and I the reason I pushed it off is because I wanted I wanted to get, you know save it for you know, one of the last things that we talked about because this is the one that actually worries me the most. Okay. Because I lived through it and I saw what happens <laughs> when the no. interest rate goes up. So yeah. you had mentioned the Bank of Canada proposed interest rate hikes um, over the next couple of years. Obviously, yeah. you know you got a million dollar mortgage, and even the smallest increase, you know, half a point is going to make a huge difference on your mortgage. So what have you heard? I obviously, we know that nothing's for sure, but what have you heard? What do you think are those proposed kind of interest rates and how will that affect? Do you think delinquency goes up? Do you think like, what do you think happens with that um, interest? If it goes that interest hike, if it happens? Well, I wouldn't say if it happens, when it happens, it's totally going to happen. Everyone interest rates are going to go up. I hate to break it to you, but they will go up. Um, I really like zero. Can we just zero (laughs) keep that? No. The good thing is, you know, sometimes I have clients ask me, are they going to skyrocket? What does it mean when they go up? They're they're not going to go from, you know, 2% to 20%, what we saw in like the 1980s. It doesn't work that. 
Yes, because that's so, what my parents are worried about, or they keep telling uh, me about. They always tell, you know, back in the, the 1980s, day. I paid 22%. And I'm like, yeah, but your house was $30,000. But anyway, <laughs> that's maybe a conversation for another day. But yeah, I hear that a lot. I always, so, okay, that not going to happen. Not going to happen. I hear that a lot too. And I think if you just look at the Bank of Canada and how they increase interest rates, they go up, I would say, either by 0.25 or 0.5. That's usually how the rate hikes happen. So I think when it comes to interest rates, like there's a lot of speculation out there. And I always tell my clients, always plan for the worst case scenario. This way, if it happens, you're good. If it doesn't happen, you're ahead of the game, right? right? Good advice. So I would say worst case scenario, they're, they're saying there's going to be about eight rate hikes. Okay. So if there's eight, that means potentially over the next couple of years, <clears throat> interest rates could be at around, I would say 4%. So if you know that they're going to be around that amount, what I'm saying to my clients and everyone has their own tolerance to risk, right? And everyone's going to view things differently. And I think it's really dependent on the person and what their goals are. But I prefer variable mortgage products. I find they outperform fixed majority of the time. I find you're better off taking that lower interest rate and having more money applied to principal than interest than just locking yourself into a fixed product and then you're subjected to really high penalties if you need to break it. Right. And I always say to them, you know, life's variable, so should your mortgage. Like you can't plan for things yeah. to happen, right? Like, you know, you could have a death in the family, you get a new job, you got to move, like life happens. And I think, you know, COVID taught that taught us that as well. Like right. things happen, you got to pivot. And so when it comes to variable mortgages, what I tell my clients to do is, okay, if your variable mortgage is say 1.45%, if I was to lock you into a fixed at 2.45%, that difference in payments you should be putting aside in another bank account every month so that you're saving that money. This way you're building up a cushion right. so that this way, you know, if you're still like, say we don't have rate hikes until, I don't know, next November going up 1.45 up to 0.25, that would bring you to 1.70. You're still outperforming a fixed right. rate. So you're still yeah. having more money going towards principal you're saving the difference. So you're building your cushion so that, you know, eventually if you get to a point where you're above say 2.45, you have this little savings account that you can pull from. So you're not impacting your monthly cash flow. Or if we don't get to a point where we have these increases in rates that, you know, the bank, like everyone's speculating, you just saved yourself a lot of money and it's in your pocket not the banks. And I think people need to really look at that. And it all that it comes down to, and I, I say this uh, acronym all the time, it's just the KISS principle. Keep it simple, stupid. You know, you just got to plan ahead. Right. That's really all that it comes down to. So, you know, we're in an inflationary environment. We know rates are going to increase. Those who take the time and put money aside each month are going to be ahead of the game. And these are for people now also, hey, all those fixed mortgage holders, 
this applies to you because guess what? In a couple of years, when your term is up for renewal, you're going to be renewing at a higher interest rate than what you currently have. Right. So, so is that, so to kind of recap then the best way to kind of inflation proof your mortgage is to mm -hmm. kind of assume it's the worst case scenario two yeah. years from now and take yeah. that difference, that extra and, and put that aside. Cause th there was one of the things I wanted to ask you, which was how can mm -hmm. you protect yourself from the, the proposed rate hikes? But, and I would have thought you would have said, well, lock yourself into a fixed rate because then you know what you're paying for the next five, or, you know, five years. And yeah. you said, of course, the complete opposite, which is why you do what you do and I do what I do. Um, so then, so that's, again, do I go back to that same kind of philosophy? That's how I kind of protect myself from rate hikes is just assume that I'm already paying the higher rate and, exactly. and build that kind of cushion for when it inevitably does go up. I think so. I always say to people, failing to plan is planning to fail. So I think that's the beautiful part working with yeah. a mortgage agent, right? Because we can like sit down, get you the best product that's going to give you the least amount of penalties. Like you, you, you can't just focus on an interest rate, you know, an interest rate is one facet of the product. And I find it really interesting how a lot of clients really focus on that interest rate. It's like, hold on a second. Yeah. We got to look at what are the prepayment privileges? What are the penalties that you may have to pay? Those need to come into fact, like you need to factor those in as well. So I just think it, the beautiful part with working with mortgage agents is they educate you and you can develop a plan. And like, that's what it really comes down to. We like, and I know I can speak to all mortgage agents. Like you really focus on the client. Like we don't care about the banks. We work with like 50 plus lenders. Our main focus is helping out clients and taking that client centered approach. So, you know, everyone's tolerance to risk is different. And I'm not trying to say fixed mortgage rates are bad. No, but, but you're just saying based on what you're seeing that's going to happen in the next couple of years, this is the what the best route for what you would recommend. But each individual is mm -hmm. going to, I'm taking the words out of your mouth. Each individual <laughs> is going to have to create their own plan. And it's yeah. a lot easier to do it with someone who knows what they're talking about. Exactly. And yeah. it's, it's funny because I'm sure you hear this too with like, artificial intelligence and all this automation like I get talks from people and they'll ask me like aren't you afraid that you're not going to have a job anymore because people are just going to go on a website and get a mortgage and I'm just like no because like we humans we love to talk and banter and like really talk things out we're like emotional people and I think when it comes to your biggest purchase, like you really want someone holding your hand through the process and a computer algorithm is not going to do that. <laughs> right. Yeah. It might help with adjustments and those other things, but yeah. you still need to add that kind of human element to it. I absolutely agree. Um, you have educated us by the way. So thank you so <laughs> much for your time before I let you go um, where, cause everyone's now going to want to get more I'm sure have more questions for you, get some advice and maybe have you as their mortgage uh, advisor. How can people find you? Where can they get uh, a hold of you? So I would say the best way to get a hold of me would be on Instagram. So you can find me at mortgages by Tash. Mortgages by Tash on Instagram. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram too. If you're there at sports underscore fluent, this has been the fluent where we bring you more than just sports. Natasha, thank you much for so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me.
get the full sports fluent Anthony K and friends experience. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at sports underscore fluent. What does it mean to be truly fluent? Support us today for exclusive content, direct one-on-one chats, answers to your questions, and best of all, every quarter, a lucky supporter will be chosen to appear on Sports Fluent and receive some great swag from Boardwalk Los Angeles. How can you support us? Go to anchor.fm slash sports dash fluent slash support.